that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? You know, this, this may sound strange, but you know, most people's religion doesn't make any sense. I mean, really, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Here's the idea that, okay, God gave us commandments, right? Ten of them, ten, ten commandments, that he knew no one could keep and then kills people for not keeping them. Does that make any sense to you? That Jesus would tell us to keep the commandments when he knew that no one could keep them. That's the idea. When I talk about, okay, a lot of people's religion that doesn't make any sense, that's the mindset that's going on. It is the illusion that religious people have that no one can keep the Ten Commandments. That is impossible. That you're lucky if you can go five minutes without sinning. You're lucky if you can go five minutes without breaking one of the Ten Commandments. You hear things like, well, we all sin. Yeah, we all sin. You know, you sin, I sin, we all sin. I'm probably getting ready to sin right now. But as soon as this program's over, I'm going to walk out the door and sin. That, that's the concept that people have. And people will say, well, if we could keep the commandments, Christ would not have had to die for our sins. Now, I understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I understand that. The fact that we have all sinned is just a matter of fact. But the decision to continually live in sin is a choice that you make. And you can do something about that choice that you're making. The Bible puts it like this in Romans 6 and verse 1. It asks the question, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now what do you think the answer is? I can hear a lot of religious people saying, yes, we're going to continue to sin because it's impossible to keep the Ten Commandments. We can't do it. Do it. We, we all sin. We're getting ready to sin right now. In the next five seconds, we're all going to sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer, God forbid. No, we're not going to continue to live in sin. So, Christians, once you have been forgiven by God's grace, shall we continue to live in sin? Can't hear you. Can't, I still think there's some people out there living in their illusion. Well, we all sin, you know, and, and it was, you know, I don't think we can go. I don't think we can live without sin. You know. God forbid. God forbid. Now, maybe the fact that you are still making the decision to live in sin reveals much about your so-called conversion and Christianity. Maybe that's the issue. That, the, that it reveals, the fact that you are still living in sin reveals that, you know, much about your conversion or lack thereof and whether your Christianity is even real or not. 
You know, Christians have sold themselves out to be a beautiful loser. You know, Christ, the truth of the matter is Christ died so that we could be victorious in keeping the commandments. You know, in John 8, verse 11, there's a scripture that says where Jesus, you know, there's this woman caught in this act of adultery, the actual sin of adultery. I've never figured out why they couldn't drag the man up there, but they drugged the woman up there. You know, they just got the woman. They don't have the man. But anyway, and <clears throat> she says, Jesus said to her, has any man condemned you? And she said, no, Lord. No man has condemned me. After he went through this little thing of, you know, writing on the ground and he that is without sin cast the first stone. And of course, he was connecting up names with the other men that were standing there, other adulterous relationships like John and Martha. And do you remember that one? You remember Martha in the back seat of the car or whatever? You know, of course, they didn't have cars back then. Back seat of the chariot or whatever. But anyway, he's connecting up names. But anyway, in John 8 and verse 11, she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know, well, I guess Jesus didn't know what he's talking about. Go and say, Lord, we all sin, and, and you know, we can't go five seconds without sinning, and, and we all break the ten, we're, we're, we're continuously breaking, and it's not possible to keep the Ten Commandments. Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about when you told that woman, go and sin no more. It, just, it must have been a figure of speech. You didn't really mean that, did you? That she should stop her adulterous uh, affairs that she was having. Do you mean it was possible for her to stop doing that? Yeah. Through the power of God's grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, it is possible for you to stop that particular sin that you're struggling with. Christ died so that we could live victorious, not a slave to sin. You see, when it comes to Christians, there are winners and losers. The losers say, the losers say Christ died so that I could live out the rest of my life of Sin and confess, sin and confess, no victory. The winners say, Christ died so that I can be victorious over my sins. That I can get the victory over sin. The losers have surrendered to a life of defeat. The winners will not give up until there is sound victory. And I want to tell you something. Churches are full of losers religious losers that have sold out and have convinced themselves it's not possible to obey God. It's not possible to keep the commandments. It's not possible. You know, we all sin. Yeah, they have sold out to a loser theology, a loser mindset, a beautiful, I'm just a beautiful loser. That's all I am. Now, I want to blow out of the water this idea that no one can keep the commandments. In Luke 1 and verse 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abijah, and his wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Now, what do you think? Well, you know, again, this, this attitude that a lot of Christians have. Well, none of us can keep the law, you know. You know, it, here's, here's it. 
Here, here's the thing. It's easier to sell yourself out to be a beautiful loser and just to buy into that false way of thinking that it's impossible. And yet here were people, Elizabeth, Zacharias, who were keeping the law of God, blameless. What does that tell you? That says a lot. It says a lot. Now, question, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? You know, the churches have denied the work of the Holy Spirit. They have turned the Holy Spirit into a carnival show, a circus show of jumping church pews and speaking in a gibberish that no one can understand, spirit of laughter, acting like a buffoon. I mean, what is the work of the, what is the true work of the Holy Spirit of God? Once you receive the Spirit of God through, through repenting of your sins, sin is the breaking of God's law, accepting Christ as your personal Savior, baptism, and the laying on of hands for the receiving of the Spirit of God. Once you receive, once you have been impregnated with the Spirit of God, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? Let's take a look at it. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26 says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. All right, we're talking about the real work of the Holy Spirit. Now, lest you think this is an old covenant concept, let's pick it up in Hebrews 10 and verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, you know, people will say, well, yeah, but we're saved by grace. And yeah, I agree, we are saved by grace. But let's notice the work of grace. We talked about the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to write my laws into their hearts and their mind, and they're going to keep them. They're going to do them, and I'm going to forgive their sins and iniquity. Okay, but let's notice the work of, of grace. Okay, Timothy 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You know, it's not that God's going to take us out of this world. No, we have to live in this world with all the temptations that are out there. And how does this say that we're going to live? What is the work of, the gra of God's grace? What is the work of the Holy Spirit? Teaching us to deny ungodliness, worldly lust. We're going to live soberly, righteously, in God and godly, godliness in this present world. Yeah, right now. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the work of God's grace. Now again, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, we just covered it. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now let me ask you a question. How hard is it for you not to steal something? How hard is it for you not to kill somebody? How hard is it for you not to commit adultery? Now, I know there is the letter of the law and there is the spirit of the law. And when we talk about the letter, okay, don't commit adultery. But when we talk about the spirit, what goes on between the ears, yeah, men can struggle in that area. I understand that. But, you know, even the thoughts, can you overcome that? Can you be victorious in the way you think? 
You know, you cannot be tempted by a thought you don't think. You cannot be tempted by a thought you don't think. Can you choose not to think that thought? Can you choose not to think that thought? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And there is God's grace. There is God's spirit that enables us to do just that. You know, if victory over sin is not possible, then what is the point in religion? What is the point in a relationship with God? What is the point of grace and forgiveness if victory, what is the point in the Holy Spirit, God giving us His Holy Spirit, if, if victory is not possible? We can be losers without any of that stuff, without a relationship with God, without the Holy Spirit, without forgiveness. You know, we can be losers just fine on our own. So my point is victory, overcoming sin, is possible. Now, when I talk about victory over sin, I'm not necessarily talking about living a perfect life in all areas of your life. You know, look, we make mistakes. There are sins out of ignorance that we commit a lot of times. What I'm talking about, let me explain what I'm talking about. Because I want you to understand when I talk about victory over sin and keeping the Ten Commandments, this is what I'm talking about. Here it is. Name your sin. What is it that you struggle with? What is it that thing that really gives you a big fit that you've been struggling with with years? What I'm saying, maybe it's lust, maybe it's anger. I don't know what it is, but whatever, whatever it is, is it possible for you to get the victory over it and overcome it and stop it? Answer, yes it is. In other words, I'm talking to people who know what they are. They know that they are sinners. They have a specific sin that they're struggling with. I'm not even talking to people who sort of view themselves, well, I've been a Christian all my life. I was born a Christian. I love God. I've loved God all my life. And I'm a churchgoer. I go to church six days a week, twice on Sunday. You know, people who have never struggled with anything in their entire life, no addictions, nothing, no smoking, no cigarettes, no nothing, no pornography. No. I'm not even talking to people like that. God's not even working with you, if that describes you. Now, here's the thing. I have found that people can be deeply religious and not even know that they are a sinner. It's strange, but, I, but I, it seems like I've met more people that fit into that category who are deeply religious and have never been brought to the point where they realize, you know, I don't have it all together. I am a sinner. I am struggling. They seem to have no struggles whatsoever. They view themselves as they've been good all their life. Now my point is this. There is either, there is either victory over sin or our religion is a farce. Okay? Let's notice John 8 and verse 31. John 8 and verse 31. Then said Jesus unto those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? Well, obviously free from the bondage of sin. Continuing on, they answered him and said, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How say you, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. I'm telling you, these religious folks didn't get it. They didn't, even though they were deeply religious, they didn't realize they were sinners. You see, Jesus only dealt with one kind of people. 
sinners. But that one group had two different, that he came into contact with, that one group of sinners had two different mindsets. One group believed that Jesus, that one group that Jesus dealt with knew they were sinners. The other didn't. The other, the religious people, that other group, didn't know they were sinners. They all were sinners. The one group knew it, the other group did not. And it was the religious that didn't realize they were sinners. Again, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. As I said earlier, name your sin. What are you struggling with? Do you know that you are a sinner? Well, I've got great news for you. You can obtain freedom. Jesus can make you free. How? How can he make you free? Well, number one, repent of your sins. Accept Christ as your personal Savior. Be baptized. Receive the Spirit of God. Have hands laid on you for the receiving of the Spirit of God. And that Spirit will lead you into a journey of true freedom. Now, freedom often doesn't come overnight. There are lessons that God wants us to learn. You know, there's a song, uh, Sweetly Broken, Totally, Total Surrender. Sweetly Broken, total surrender. It is just that when God calls us. And that journey to freedom will involve where God sweetly <laughs> breaks you and brings you to a point of total surrender. That is a process. It can be painful, but God does it gently. God does it gently. And it will lead you to the road to freedom. Victory. Isaiah 55 and verse 6 it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and our God will abundantly pardon. Wow, what a scripture. What a scripture. God calls out to the sinner, the sinner who is struggling. And says, come to me, I'll forgive you. Not only will I forgive you, I will heal you and I will bring you to victory. Victory over that thing that is destroying your life. Ezekiel 18 and verse 30. Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so your iniquity shall not be your ruin. Man, that's a powerful statement. So sin will not be your ruin. It will not ruin. God in his great love doesn't want sin to destroy you. He does not want sin to destroy you. Verse 31. Cast away from you all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? You know, our potential to do bad things is so great. Many of you have done things in your life and you look back and you think, why did I do that? How could I have done that? How could I have so screwed up my life? Our potential to do bad things is incredible. It really is. How badly we can mess up our lives. And there's only one way to get rid of our great potential of sin's desire. 
and that is Christ Jesus can make you free. If you call yourself a Christian, why were you redeemed? To live in sin? You see, redemption requires transformation. If you're not being transformed by the power of God's Spirit, you've never really been redeemed. I know you think you have, but something's missing. And often what's missing is that spiritual element, God's Spirit, that is lacking. Do you believe in sin more than God? When it comes to victory over sin, you know, a person who is living a defeated life of sin, you call yourself a Christian, yet you continue to live in sin. The, the problem is you believe in sin more than you believe in God. Adam and Eve, by their choices, revealed they believed in sin more than they believed in God. Today we have tons of religion. We have people flocking to churches every weekend. People who are claiming to be redeemed by the blood. But there is no transformation. No transformation. You know, when God redeemed the children of Israel from Egypt, Egypt was a type of sin. God said, I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to bring those people out of their sin. They were told, I want you to write, I want you to paint blood on the doorpost of your homes. And they would be redeemed. When I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over them. But did you know that those Israelites never, they painted that door on their, on their doorposts, but they never returned to their homes. Ain't going to need this house no longer. They never returned to their houses. They never returned back to their land. They never returned back to their king, King Pharaoh. They never returned back to slavery, the bondage. They, they were even told to eat a new kind of food, unleavened bread. They weren't going to eat the same kind of food anymore. Now I want you to eat unleavened bread. In other words, you're leaving it all behind because redemption requires transformation. So I hear you, I know, okay, I've been saved. I hear that a lot. Oh, I've been saved. But my question is this. Have you been transformed? Because redemption without transformation is a lie. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. Now, I want to remind you, coming up very shortly, April 29th, Saturday at 1.30, special meeting, Sabbath service meeting at Danville, Virginia, at the Stratford, Stratford Conference Center. Uh, it's going to be a service. I'm going to be speaking there. I would love to meet you. There's going to be a lot of free literature there. And I wanted to mention this. I'm going to bring our 46 lesson, many copies of our 46 lesson Bible correspondence course. It's a lot of good material here. You know, most churches, if you were to ask them, you know, a lot of people, let me, let me say this. A lot of people realize through watching the program you know, there's some things that you believe, David, that's different. I've never heard some of these things that you're teaching from the Bible. And I would like to study them more deeply. I would like to know more about some of the things that you are teaching and preaching and about the Word of God. Well, we have this 46-lesson uh, Bible study course that I will give to you free of charge. If we run out, 
you can pick up a flyer and order that and I'll send it to you free of charge. You see, here's the thing. Most churches, if you were to ask them, okay, give me your systematic Bible study on Sunday keeping. I want to look at the Bible where the Word of God, where Jesus said, you know, no longer are we keeping the Sabbath, the fourth commandment. Now we're going to keep the first work, the first work day of the week. Did you know that churches can't give you that systematic Bible study? It doesn't exist because the Bible, the Bible study cannot be built because it's not in the Word of God, you see. If you were to go to your church and say, I want a systematic Bible study on Christmas, where the Bible says, we sailed from Troas and we met up with Paul and we decorated the Christmas tree and swapped gifts. It's not in there. It's not in the Bible. Therefore, no systematic Bible study exists explaining Christmas. And this is true with a lot of doctrines that are out there. In other words, their church cannot back it up what they believe. Even though they're doing these things, you know, show me your systematic Bible study, how that God is going to burn people for all eternity for the rest of their lives. Okay, they don't have that systematic Bible study because it's not in the Bible. There are theories that people develop and preach about from the pulpits to try to scare people half to death and get them to come down to the altar. But I'm just saying, most churches, they can't offer you a systematic Bible study explaining their belief system. I can. The Church of God can offer you that. And I'm going to be giving that away free of charge. Look at some of the Receiving the Spirit of God. Resurrection. You need to know about the resurrection. Healing. Uh, marriage and divorce, all kinds of Bible, child rearing, uh, how the Holy Spirit works, heaven and the kingdom of God, uh, just, just the definition of the gospel, uh, the holy days, Pentecost, all of this. This is an intense Bible study that I will give away free of charge. I'd like to meet you again April 29th at 1.30 at the Danville Conference Center, Stratford Conference Center. Love to see you there. Hope you can make it. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Many years ago, God inspired Moses to ask a million dollar question. What does the Lord require from you? To the person who is truly seeking God's will, this is the question. We don't need more religion. We just need to ask the right question exactly what does God want me to do? Come join us to find out April 29th at 1.30 p.m. at the Stratford Conference Center in Danville, Virginia. David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? would like to invite you to a special informative Sabbath service meeting April 29th at 1.30 p.m. The meeting will be held at the Stratford Conference Center in Danville, Virginia. The address is 149 Piney Forest Road, Danville, Virginia, 24540. That's April 29th at 1.30 p.m. at the Stratford Conference Center in Danville, Virginia.